Join the book club. As an introductory offer, we'll send you the following books absolutely free. Eat, Run, Stay Fit, and Die Anyway. How to Seem Intelligent. There's Big Money in Staying Put. Peace of Mind by Losing Complete Control for 16 Hours a Day. Your Thighs Control Your Life. How to Fillet a Panda. Rid Yourself of Doubt. Or should you? Chances are your sister's full of shit. How to Give Yourself a Complete Physical Without Getting Undressed. 64 Good Reasons for Giving Up Hope. Why Jews Point. A hundred dead people nobody misses. Backpacking for shut-ins. My dog is a real fruit. Your shoes are worth money. Reorganizing your pockets. What to wear on the toilet. 124 simple exercises for the teeth. The stains in your shorts can indicate your future. Tips on getting laid. Self-mutilation as an attention getter. 600 ways to give people the shaft. Tremble your way to fitness. You give me six weeks and I'll give you some disease. And if you join today, we'll send the following books absolutely free. Poems for the Insane. A Treasury of Poorly Understood Ideas. Apartment Hunting for Devil Worshippers. A Complete List of All the Things That Are Still Pending. And These Books on Food Are Yours. The Intravenous Cookbook, The Meaning of Corn, Fill Your Life with Croutons, The Food Coloring Diet, Cooking for the Paralyzed, Cooking with Heat. And if you join today, we'll send the following books absolutely free, Controlling Fear Without Getting Frightened, Things No One Can Help, Understanding People You'll Never Meet, Six Ways to Fuck Up Before Breakfast, Marriage for One, I Suck, You Suck, Let's Change the Alphabet, Famous Bullshit Stories, Sport Fishing with Power Saws, why Hawaii and Norway are not near each other. And if you join today, we'll send the following books absolutely free. A list of people who mean well. Don't throw away your old skin. Ten things we don't know yet. Caring for the seated. The wrong underwear can kill. Trotting across Zaire. Why it doesn't snow anymore. The complete list of everyone's personal effects. Six cities no one has ever been to. I gave up hope and died and it worked. Famous people who were wiry. The lives of six extremely short saints. Anime Wong stats are made of aluminum. And if you join today, we'll send the following instruction books absolutely free. How to do everything at once. How to give people your best regards. How to spoil other people's fun. How to kill a rat with an oboe. How to organize a Tupperware gangbang. How to wave goodbye without moving your arms. How to spot truly vicious people in church. How to get back from Boston. How to lease out the space inside your nose. How to get a tan with a flashlight. How to start a range war. How to spot a creep from a distance. How to give a king a really hard time. How to kill your nephew. How to become a greaseball. And how to turn on terrible pain into extra income. So call now, right now. Join the book club today. Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book just for trying them out for one month. In the middle of Frankenstorm, this is episode 57 of the Book Guys show. My name is Paul Alves and I am also known as Paul the Book Guy on Twitter. Joined as always by our great panel of book lovers, book aficionados, Priests, professors, all kinds of people, starting with Professor Allen. How are you, sir? Hello. How's Very it? good. <laughs> how are you faring in this Frankenstorm? Is it touching you at all? We, we, we are just on the outskirts. So we, we've got rain for a few days, but nothing like uh, 
nothing like many others are facing. Also like, joining, for example, like Father for, Robert Balliser. Father Robert Balliser, that's right. Uh, Father Robert, how are you, sir? Well, assuming that uh, the Frankenstorm doesn't drop a brick on my uh, my internet connection here, I, I think I'm okay. I'm, I mean, I'm in a pretty heavily guarded bunker basement here, so I, <laughs> I think I'm all right. I received an email from my superiors asking me to build a, a big boat and start stocking with uh, two of each type of geek. So I'm not sure exactly what that means. <laughs> I was worried about our internet connection here. I did some. I usually do speed test about an hour before the show. Uh, Father Robert, as the tech genius here. I noticed, I, I un- unplugged our Ethernet cable here. And I noticed there was a drop of paint on it from when we were painting the studio, first coat. So when I cleaned the paint off the leads on the Ethernet cable, <laughs> our Internet speed went up from one megabit per second to eight or nine up and uh, three down now. So we're, I think we'll be okay for the show. Also joining us from North Carolina, Sir Jimmy. He has, actually has a stinger. Hang on. Sir Jimmy. How you doing, Sir Jimmy, in the middle of the Frankenstorm? I'm telling you what, it is windy here in North Carolina. I just brought a brand new used John boat over the weekend and come home to find that it was turned upside down for me. Thank goodness it was filled with leaves this morning. Wind comes along, flips it over, job's done. Nice. And you know what, Sir Jimmy, at least you're indoors because uh, we have one of our guests today, Brian Anderson. He is sitting in his vehicle in the middle of this hurricane storm, Frankenstorm, sitting there with a six-pack of Budweiser's and a cell phone. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. I, you're, you're not wrong. I am in a <laughs> minivan in between my house and my neighbors on, in Staten Island, New York, with half-pack of cigarettes, a, uh, a six-pack of beer, and a telephone. That's all you need to be on this show, my friend. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> Standards are not all that high. Unless we go two hours, then you need at least a 12-pack and a full pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Life is good. That's right. And joining us also, just north of St. Paul, Minnesota, wherever that is, hmm, mysterious, mysterious location I have here for Carl Brookins. How are you, sir? I'm very good. I'm pleased to be with all your bookies. That's right. What's the bottom line? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different show that we have the bookies on. That's uh that's right. That's that's the one we do. We're going to be doing any, uh, live from Las Vegas in January. The bookies show. <laughs> I don't have any weather problems. I'm it's cold out, but I'm nice and warm and pleasant in my little office here. I'll say, give Minnesota a few months, and you'll have some weather problems. Oh yes. See, right now in Toronto, it's raining flavorless Slurpee. It's it's really cold. It's really sludgy. And uh, Sparky the Wonder Cat has escaped from the studio. And uh, you know what? I hope she's freezing out there. I'm <laughs> <laughs> a learner. Let her know how good she had it. That's right. That's right. You be, you be careful. They'll get you for cruelty to animals. <laughs> Somebody will. I think they'll get me for having a cat in the studio if she was still here, actually. I could be wrong. <laughs> So uh, we usually start the show talking about what we've been reading. Uh, I mean, if, we, if we're enjoying it, if you really hate it, we usually don't talk about it. But I have been reading or listening to One Second After by William Forstchen. Sir Jimmy, what are you up to? Anything being hollowed I'm out? I'm just wondering if... Nah, oh, I got a giant stack over here. Just been, it's like the fun part. They're taking the pictures and measuring the size of the hole and writing the descriptions and cutting and cropping and pasting and uploading and doing all the website stuff is the part I don't enjoy. So 
Oh, uh, I need uh, I need some type of suggestion on what to start because I just got my new Audible credit loaded up, and I'm wondering where to spend it. Nice. Have you guys see this? It is uh-huh. to serve yes. man the cookbook from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> That's from <laughs> Think Geek. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about some Think Geek stuff. Uh, Padre, anything new on your uh, nightstand? Kindle, iPad, Galaxy S3? Absolutely. So I I actually just uh, fully finished Daniel Suarez's um, Demon and Freedom uh, uh, series. And, uh, and Sir Jimmy, I will say when you get to the end of Freedom, that it is satisfying, and you will be much happier than you were when you finished the first one. Oh, so, so no now, second a, huge cliffhanger. <laughs> you I know, read it, a lot of reviews, and the reviews were like saying that it was like the worst of all the books. Uh, here, here's the thing. I, actually, I know exactly what this is like. Do you remember when, uh, uh, far back, when you first saw The Matrix, and it was a mind-blowing experience? It was it's like, wow, I didn't know they could do that, and it was so cool, and it was different, and... And then they did number two. And what was the biggest complaint about number two was that it got so preachy and so philosophical and it slowed all the way down. That's exactly what happened with, uh, with Freedom. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Professor Allen, anything new happening uh, on your side of the pond there? I'm about halfway through uh, an Anne McCaffrey uh, Pern uh, fantasy novel, The Renegades of Pern. And then uh, just this last week, I picked up and finished up the first hardcover collection of the surprise hit of DC Comics' New 52, Aquaman. Definitely the surprise hit, yes. It was a great, it was a great, great stories in there. No doubt about it. Excellent. By the way, uh, Professor Allen, if you're an Anne McCaffrey fan, I've actually, uh, I downloaded most of the ones I listen to on Audible, even though I do have, are CD audiobooks of any use to you? Yes, they are. Then I can get you a package because a lot of people do read in their cars and have a CD player. Um, I, I commute to I, work I, on transit, so I do a lot. Don't don't tell our sponsor. I do a lot of my reading from uh, audio reading from CDs from the library. Brilliant. So I'm, I do that a lot. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm a fan of libraries. I have an interesting audio series of that I should uh, send one of you. It's called Resort to Murder. It's uh, audio recordings of a series of, of short stories that my friends and I put together. Uh, it's quite interesting. It's all, they're all set on Minnesota resorts. And here's what we did. We said to, we said to the authors, all right, you've got to write about a real Minnesota resort, and you have to describe it really well, but you can't name it. You have to name it something else. Uh-huh. You don't, uh-huh. don't want to be sued. And right. uh, they did that, and it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Uh, you just remind me of an episode of uh, American Dad I watched yesterday, and uh, they announce Carmen Selectra for spring break. And the one guy says, don't you mean Carmen Electra? No. <laughs> Selectra. <laughs> <laughs> no, just we don't. in case. Yeah, Carl, absolutely. Where, where can people find uh, those audio books? Well, they're available from all the usual sources, Barnes okay. & Noble and Amazon and from us and you know, that kind of thing. So it's not that hard. It's called Resort to Murder. It's, there's a book, of course, but there's also a, it's a series of very well-produced audio CDs. Uh, Carl Brookens, of course, being the author of Reunion. We're going to talk about that uh, today. Have you read? Uh, been reading anything lately, or are you too busy writing more yes. books? No, I, this is very appropriate. I just I also review crime fiction for various sorts, various sites, and my book I just finished is called Open Source, which is really appropriate for this environment right here because it's about 
here's the here's the scenario. The Padres' the ears man, just perked up. <laughs> not the, the the man lives in Georgia, okay, and he has a very ordinary job. But he blogs. He's a blogger, and one of the things he does is he looks at he looks at the internet and he finds interesting things and then he raises questions about it. And he discovers that a very obscure freighter is hijacked in the Baltic Sea, and he wonders why. So he begins to look at a lot of open sources, and he begins to pose questions, question after question. Now, you think about this as you Twitter and you tweet and you Facebook and these kinds of things. So pretty soon, he's on somebody's radar. He's on the radar of, a, of an operative who is tracking this hijacking. Why was this freighter hijacked? What was the board that they wanted? And pretty soon, he gets an email that says, you better drop this subject. But, of course, Ooh. the guy doesn't drop the subject. And soon, there is a special operative on his way to this man's home area. And this is a special operative who has been known to kill people. See, Sir Jimmy and I have the same problem when we were doing the show called Emergency Broadcast System, which we just rebooted. And I keep looking over my shoulder, if you're noticing, in the GoToMeeting screen. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried about those uh, CSIS <laughs> guys. I mean, I'm the only Canadian in the room, so that's Canadian... Security Intelligence Service. Right, right. So that's the that's the premise of this book. It's very well written. It's a true geo thriller, and it's a very complicated story. And I, it's written by a, it's a debut novel by a man named M. M. Frick. It's called Open Source, and I commend it to your attention. It's a really good book. Is this something you've reviewed online before, or is it something you're just reading now? Yeah. Oh, excellent. It's I, something that I. I just finished and reviewed, and it's available. The review is is currently up on Amazon and several other sites. Oh, brilliant! You know, Carl, send me a link, and I will put it in the show notes uh, on bookguys.ca for all our listeners to check out. Sounds interesting. Right. Sure, I'll do that. It, it just seems like a lot of these books, a lot of these thrillers and stuff, would just be much quicker reads if, in chapter three, when the authorities say you should stop looking into this. The guy stopped looking into this. Right. I mean, I'm just throwing that out as a suggestion to the authors. <laughs> yeah, but Professor Allen, we, we were just talking about the Matrix. I mean, 20 minutes in, if uh, you know, if Neo picked the blue pill, it would have been a 20 minute short movie. <laughs> it would be I'm a just saying. It would be a short novel. Yeah, they would have saved a with fortune no, on with, special effects too. Yeah, well, well, there'd be no resolution. There'd be no murder, and there'd be, and then there'd be no romance. And uh, it, there, actually, there'd be no story if everybody did that. Now, we, we can't, we can't leave anybody out here, folks. Uh, Brian Anderson, my friend. By the way, Brian, hey, thank you. In the middle of the storm, uh, back on the show, and you, you've gone through you know, hell and high water to get here. You're there with a the six-pack. The rain is pounding down. 100-kilometer-an-hour winds. Sorry, 200-mile-an-hour for you Americanos. Uh, have you been reading anything lately? Well, I would like to mention that I am in my vehicle. I parked my vehicle between my house and my neighbor's house. And my neighbor still has electricity. And my <laughs> half of the block does not. Oh, the luck. <laughs> did, you, did you check the fuse box? Always check the fuse box. Could be your fuses. Well, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm tempted just to, like, to beat on their door and go sit in their living room. It's probably a conspiracy. Yes. <laughs> it, it, has, it has to be. You know, I, I mean, it always is. I, I, if, if I were a thriller writer, I would be getting ideas right now. 
No, but hey, I appreciate y'all having me back. I had a great time last time. Oh, we love having you on, Brian. Like I said, we'd love to have you on the short list of uh, guest hosts. Sir Jimmy's holding up a hollow book with... uh, Oh, I can't wait till this is a video show. They tried their best to distract us during the show. He's got the Holy Bible, hollowed out Bibles. Padre is just shaking his head. Ah. Sacrilege, sacrilege, live on the video stream here, and the folks can't see it at home. We're talking about books that we've read and and that y'all have read, and I I hesitate to tell him, since you have a Padre on the show, what I just read. I read a trilogy of books. The Padre, Uh, you know what? uh, Where God Went Wrong. The Padre does not censor books. Where God Went Wrong, um, uh, 101 God's Biggest Mistakes. 101 of God's Biggest Mistakes? You notice how that how his voice faded out? That's right. right. Then? Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, that was a Douglas Adams reference. <laughs> that wasn't a sign from above at all. No. Please continue. <laughs> yes. I just finished reading Leviticus. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Padre, but if one thing I've learned from doing emergency broadcast system, God does not control GoToMeeting or Skype, the CIA does. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They're listening. No, I'm all about reading. I'm, I don't care what the subject material is. There is no taboo subject. There's t- no taboo knowledge. It's all job. just good stuff. <laughs> I think we've pretty much worked to death the whole running joke of, oh, we can't talk about this because the Padre's here. We all know the Padre <laughs> is cool. The Padre, you know, does not, you know, burn books. So let's just leave that alone. I think, you know, let's call it episode 57. Let's not bother the Padre anymore with these little, <laughs> you know, easy to make comments and whatnot. Uh, let's start the show off. I don't have a mystery jingle. Uh, Jeff Smith, if you're out there, you're our only hope. We need a mystery jingle. Uh, so let's just get right into talking to Carl Brookins about Reunion, a Jack Marston mystery. So, Carl, tell us Absolutely. a little bit about Reunion. Well, you see, I w- I've been going to my wife's high school reunions for many years. And I w- even went to a couple of my own high school reunions. And one of the things that happens in high school reunions is people get together and they talk about what a marvelous time they had back in high school. And if you, if you believe all of the stuff that you hear at these reunions, you believe that everybody had a marvelous time all the time. They were <laughs> in every high school anywhere in the land. Now, you guys, we know that is true. And so I thought, since I tend to write crime fiction, that there must be something else here that could happen. The other part of the story is that if you travel about at all on, you know, by car, by van, by whatever, and, and you stay off the freeways, or at least you only, you only run on the freeways sometimes, and you go through all these little little towns all over the continent. Uh, you discover what looks like really nice, placid towns filled with really nice, placid people, all smiles and having a good time. But if you peel back a corner of the carpet and you begin to look underneath, you might find interesting and sometimes dangerous things. So I took those two elements, and I created a story called Reunion. Reunion uh, involves Jack Marston, who's a, a, a man working at a job very much like one I had for 25 years at a college in the Twin Cities. And his, uh, his interest in his new lover is to find out more about her background. What, 
what made her the way she is, what gave her the attitudes that she has. So they go off to her 40th high school reunion in a small town in western Minnesota. And what he discovers is that there are some homicidal people out there. And he also discovers that there's a lot of corruption in town. Consequently, uh, we have a story that lasts longer than Chapter 3, Professor Allen. <laughs> oh, that's how it works. That's how it works. So yeah. that's that's reunion. It's a it's a it's not a cozy, but it's a it's a serious attempt to write an enjoyable story about uh, people and their uh, their troubles and their troubled pasts. Now, now, Carl, I need you to be honest right now. I've I've been to a reunions before as the right. plus one. So, were yeah. you sitting at a reunion thinking? This reunion would be so much more interesting. God forbid if someone died or like, you know, a car came through the window. (laughs) No, No, actually, uh, what I was thinking at the last one that I went to was, well, what if, what if there's somebody in this class or no, not in this class. What if there's somebody who was, was in this school and something happened that caused him or her to go off the rails. And this person has been waiting for many years for the right opportunity to figure out a way to get back at the people in the class. Yes. <laughs> see, that's, see, that's what we do. We play what if. See, that's why I always bring my handgun to reunions. <laughs> I noticed, Sir Jimmy, you were pointing well, your handgun at the screen during our intro there. Yeah. And you know what? God forbid, one of these days, you are going to shoot out your iPad and not be able to do the whole show with us. Well, I, uh, I, we, I don't have a camera, of course, but if I did, I would show you my handgun. Oh. <laughs> you know, now, Carl, it, sa- it yeah, sounds to me like you've tapped into something that's fundamental in uh, human psychology, and that is anytime we're presented with something that seems idyllic or something that seems perfect, something that seems just glossy and calm on the surface, we are immediately suspicious. You know, we, we think there's got to be something wrong. There's got to be some dirt. There's got to be something that I'm not seeing or something that people are trying to hide from me. Uh, that's just fantastic. Well, I think, what ha- I think that's true to a degree. I don't necessarily believe everywhere I go in my travels that there is some criminal element going on or some some crime that that that's just about to bubble to the surface but what if uh so <laughs> but what if exactly <laughs> but there may be and and i think that uh, the one of the one of the uh, problems that i see in crime fiction in general is that the people begin to make these kinds of those kinds of assumptions that there's always a problem and there isn't always a problem i've been in lots of very nice small towns i'm going to one uh, on Thursday, not too, you know, a few days from now, I'm going to one where where we we I've been asked to come and speak to a group of high school high school English students, and uh, we're going to do that. Then we're going to the public library. And it's a little town. There's only about 700 people in this town, and what it turns out is that people in small towns read just as much, and they buy just as many books as people in the big cities. Yep. So we we like to go to small town. I, I have to tell you, what, I keep saying we. I belong. I'll, I digress for a moment here. Right, that's what I do. Um, Please do. I, that's what we all do. <laughs> I yeah, I belong to a group that was started about ten years ago. Ten years ago, called the Minnesota Crime Wave. It's a it's a group of three 
authors. Yes, Sir Jimmy, I see you waving. It's a group of three authors. William Kent Kruger, who writes the Cork O'Connor series, and Ellen Hart, who writes a series about a restaurant tour of the Twin Cities. We discovered that we all have individual talents and individual strengths and weaknesses, and if we work together, uh, we can have a good time together, we travel together, and we can uh, get ourselves involved in many more situations where we can talk about our books and talk about our writing. And so the Minnesota Crime Wave has been asked to come to this small town in southwestern Minnesota, and we're going to drive out there Thursday, talk to their high school students, and then we'll go to their public library. And we'll talk to whoever shows up and wants to wants to hear us and, and engage with us in discussing crime fiction. That sounds like it'd be a fun that, uh, uh, sorry, that sounds like it'd be a fun episode of Book Eyes Show, Minnesota Crime Wave. <laughs> <laughs> Get them all on. Do you find that that uh, schools and you know high schools and or and or libraries to be good good uh, venues for uh, for yes. you guys? Yes, very much so. Now we don't we don't do a lot at the high schools, but we do. We've done over three hundred libraries in the last several years, and uh, we find them to, to be filled with eager patrons. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's nice to connect with people, and uh, you know. It's like the the iBook store just reached 1.5 million books, and even that makes it a small store compared to Amazon. So you're never going to be able to read 1.5 million books in your lifetime. So uh, when I when I meet an author, why would you want to? Yeah, and why would you want to? <laughs> so, so when I meet someone like you, Carl, on the show, that intrigues me and gets me to read your book, uh, you know, and uh, our listeners as well, and you know, we get a reason to read your book. And you go to high school, and they get to you know spend an hour with you or half an hour with you, and you know, they get interested and read the book. And that's, that's exactly what we're doing here is connecting, you know, readers with authors. That's right. Exactly. That's right. And they want to know about the life of most, mostly the people, the questions come up. They want to know about what, what's the, what's it like to be a a published writer of, of crime fiction or of anything. And uh, it it turns out, I guess, I I suspect we probably disappoint a lot of people because it's not, a wildly exotic, drug-filled, uh, alcohol-fueled uh, kind of existence. Uh, mostly, what we do is we write. <laughs> yes, <Robert>. right. <laughs> we sit. We sit at our computers or our typewriters, and we write because we have deadlines, and uh, the publisher wants the next book. So I saw. I, I saw on your on your bio, uh, Carl, yeah. something about mm-hmm. fun and glory, but very little money. <laughs> there is that article also, that you wrote or something. Yeah, yes, yes, I did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, Professor uh, Allen, are you sure you weren't Wikipediaing um, my name, Paul Alves? <laughs> <laughs> Probably both. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Most artists suffer for their art. That's this is how it works. By the well, way, uh, w- would you consider changing the name of the Crime Wave to say the Literary Legion of Doom? <laughs> Well, that's an interesting idea. No, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, the Minnesota Crime Wave, have, we have a website, www.minnesotacrimewave.org, and we and as, as do I, I have a website. Well, that's one of the interesting, that's why I read Open Source. One of the interesting things is that, is that today authors, even more than in the past, uh, uh, have to do a lot of their own marketing, a lot of their own promotion, and a lot of their own running around. Yeah. Now, and... I hear I encounter authors who say, you know, in the old days we didn't have to do this. Well, 
I have uh, copies of letters that Charles Dickens wrote to his publisher, Charles Dickens. You all know who Charles Dickens is. That's right. right? <laughs> uh, and he, he was complaining that his publisher wasn't doing enough promotion for his books. But, you know, in the old days, yeah, maybe some authors didn't have to do that because, you know, the uh, publishers were only putting out 30 books a year. Right. And those 30 authors right. got all the promotion. But, uh, you know, to be, to be fair, in the old days, we'll call it 10 years ago, before digital books, you had to buy the books yourself. You were self-published. You had to buy the books, pay for right. them, and it cost you more than the, the average you know, uh, price of a, a retail book. So if, if books were in the store for $7.99, you had to pay $9 to have yours printed. Now you needed to make a little bit of profit, so you're going to sell yours for twelve ninety nine. You need to drive around the country in a van like Scooby-Doo and the gang filled with these books. <laughs> and you had to go from book signing to book signing to book signing. So, you know, these guys, some of these authors that, you know, made a name for themselves back in the day, self-published, were literally flogging, like, salesmen. They had to go and try to make that's $100, $200 a day, and, and that's how they did it, you know, store by store by store. There was no internet. And now you can promote yourself online, uh, you know, get your website out, you can go on podcasts, on radio shows. It's And we can, yeah, we can waste time with guys like you talking about books. And, that's right. Excuse me. <laughs> spend, spend really quality time talking about books. With, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, we're losing connection there, Carl. I can't, uh, <laughs> Must be the storm. Must be fading. <laughs> but this, uh, I mean, that's true. I mean, this stop on your, on your book tour uh, here right now is probably the... That's the least mileage, the least driving you have to do. The Absolutely. Least That's right. That's correct. But you yeah. still have to put the effort in. I mean, it's all a sweat, blood, and tears uh, to get your name out there. I mean, even if you are a published author, you still got to get out there, and it's all work. You know, people always say, well, oh, how lucky was J.K. Rowling to sell all those books? She wasn't lucky. She worked her butt off to get where she is. That's Stephen, right. Stephen King was washing toilets in a high school when he published his first book, and he worked his butt off to you know, get in every Walmart and every, you know, 7-Eleven in the country. So there's no luck to it. I mean, people, you work hard for what you have. You, you know, there's another element here that um, it's it's not always present, but when it is, it's it's very interesting. Um, and that is, uh, we have a, a host on the, the Twit Network by the name of Brian Brushwood. And he just did a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo project where he said, look, we're having a new baby. I'd love to stay home. I'd like to get off the road and, and be with my wife and my new child. We figured it's going to cost us about $10,000. So if I'm not bringing in any revenue during that time, it, I need, I need $10,000. So right. here's what he did. He set up a thing on Indiegogo where he said, uh, I'll do my show. You know, I'll, I'll give you content. Basically, I'm selling you my content in advance so I can spend time with my family. And sure. he thought maybe he could get $10,000. Within 48 hours, he had 21000 It was fully funded. And there's an element here of, you, you know, you've got these content creators who are just, uh, they're connected. People feel connected to them. So, of course, they're going to support any kind of content that comes out of them. I, I, you know, that, that didn't exist in the time of Stephen King and such. E even though you may feel that they're really good writers, there wasn't that kind of personal con connection that could drive your book sales or your content right. sales. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you I know, think that's uh, true. Mm -hmm. you know, book readers love to be, you know, we'd love, certainly love to be customers, but there is something to what the father is saying. There's something about being a patron, a uh, patron of the arts, which is even one level of commitment greater than quote unquote, just buying your book. Yeah. I, I think, think that's... I, I think that, you know, there's a real buy-in that you get, you know, and, and you get 
I mean, you want loyal customers. You don't want to sell one book. You want to sell every book. Or uh, Brian wants to sell his trilogy, not just the one hit, the quick hit. You right. want loyal customers. Well, that's all true, and and the the but I believe I think the whole thing of patronage is patronage of the arts. I think it's a little easier to be a patron of a painter, perhaps, than of a of an uh, of an author. That's but true. I but that whole concept, which was very prevalent in previous centuries, I think is is really disappearing, and I think will continue to to be reduced because. Partly because of social media, partly because it's easier for me as an author to connect with all kinds of people through the use of social media, which brings up another whole point, which is which has to do with discipline. Uh, one of the things I, I see people, people come up to me all the time and say, listen, I have this great idea for a book. I'll tell you what the story is, and then you write it. And my response is, no, no you write it because I've got all kinds of ideas. Right. I've got enough ideas to keep me going until long after I've left this, this earth. And so we, we, you know, we, have, we have to have the discipline to use social media, to do the marketing, all these kinds of things. When I have a blog, I have a website, I'm, I'm working with the Minnesota Crime Wave, I'm on Facebook, blah, yada, 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 all these kinds of things. I could spend all day, every day doing that. And if I did that, I wouldn't write any books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's <Right>? true. <laughs> Good point. But at the same time, you know, doing those sorts of things, you're giving a potential fan or a current fan the ability to sort of say, you know, I know a bit more about this author. I, 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 it's, it's more than me just reading his words. It's me saying, hey, I'm really interested in how he develops his stuff. That's, that's, that's fascinating to me. Well, that's, and that's wonderful for us. Uh, but, of course, what it comes down to is we really want to write good books that people will read. And we want people to buy them, obviously. Because So, so Carl, because, Carl if, if people want to find out yep. who is killing uh, the graduates, where can uh, they go Where can they go to find their copy of Reunion? Um, they can go to Kobo. Uh, they can go to, uh, uh, what's, I can't, I've, right, for the moment I've lost the name of the big book, the big bookstore chain Amazon. in Canada. Well, uh, Amazon, yeah, but the one Barnes and Canada. Noble. Um, uh, well, yeah, Barnes chapters, and Noble has chapters, it. Chapters, uh, chap chapters, chapters. Right? That's yeah. the one. Chapters has it. Um, so it's available, and it's available online. Brilliant. Um, for a pittance. For a pittance. A bargain. Padre. A bargain. My publisher put it on. <laughs> he's pointing at you he's pointing at you. He's I, did, pointing. I didn't do it i didn't it wasn't me i swear <laughs> i thought you were holding your hand <laughs> up <rude>. padre <laughs> sorry no 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 i was i was saying that right now if you go to amazon.com you can get it for less than three dollars to put it on your kindle are you that's kidding true that's that true. is a bargoon no, my friend you're not kidding oh you went and looked it up didn't you uh, very very clever very <laughs> clever and I'm, Carl, not that, I'm not that adept yet at using yes uh, before we go to the break, Carl, can you give people, what's your website address where people can find all of your work? All of my work, all 10 novels, www.carlbrookins, that's C-A-R-L-B-R-O-O-K-I-N-S, one word, dot com. Brilliant. Carl, are you going to stick around with us for the rest of the show? Um, yeah, I can stick around with you for a little while. It's, I, this insanity is kind of interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, we'll be right uh, back after the break talking to Brian Anderson about book two in the Godling Chronicles right after this. Hello, everybody. This is Dan Hansen, better known as Two Dogs. I am the author of Viper Pilot, and you are listening to The Book Guys. And this is Richard Goodship, author of The Camera Guy on Amazon, and you're listening to The Book Guys. 
And we're back from the break. Good times, my friend. And we are joined once again by Brian Anderson sitting with a six-pack, or maybe it might be a three-pack now, in the middle of uh, Frankenstorm. <laughs> How you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. How you guys doing? Very good. So book two of your series, The Godling Chronicles, when is that out? Well, that's coming out uh, this coming Friday. Um, I'm really excited about it. Um, it's just it's just been wonderful. Um, book one has been, believe it or not, book, book one has been out for almost a year as a book itself, but only about three months as a published book. I self-published it uh, at first. Right. And then um, GMTA Publishing uh, took it over, and it started doing real, real well. And I already had book two written, and they wanted to uh, wanted to, uh, to do the second one. So and GTM, Brian. So G- GMTA is publishing the second book. Yes, they're they're publishing the second one as well. Um, and I tell you what, it's been wonderful. I, I never expected uh, things to go like the way they've been going. So that's it, a positive my, response, right? <laughs> oh my God! It, it, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, it, when, when it first hit the the, the top 100 bestsellers list, I swear to God, I almost um, fainted. Nice. It, it was it was unbelievable, and you know I know that's not a big deal because it's a small market. It's just Amazon. It's not worldwide. It's not like Stephen King or something like that. It's not like making millions of dollars. But just to see your your name sitting there next to guys like Brandon Sanderson and um, uh, yeah, and Robert Jordan and J.R. Tolkien on the same list as them is just well. You, you know, Brian, there, there's a thing even in podcasting uh, in pocket. There's a term called pod fade. Now, uh, there's a lot of people who start podcasting and they think right away, I'm going to be Adam Carolla or I'm going to be Adam Curry or I'm going to be Leo Laporte, and they think well. We've been at this seven months, or we've been at this a year, and we only have 5,000 or 10,000 listeners, and they quit. And they actually think that yeah. Adam Carolla started with, you know, 20 million listeners. Or, you know, th- that's not how Leo Laporte started. Leo Laporte started uh, with his tech uh, business, uh, his tech podcast business, with, you know, 500 listeners. And he kept at it for 10 years, you know. <laughs> so it's the same thing with authors. A lot of authors figure, well, I haven't sold any books, so... Well, it, it is kind of like that. I mean, I mean, it, it was like, but the thing was, it was so quick. It was like one that, like, um, when, when GMTA signed me, we redid the cover, we re-edited the book, we just redid everything, right? Right. And it released the first day I sold five copies. By the end of the first two weeks, I had sold 100 copies. And I thought, that's awesome. That's more than I sold the the whole and since the November before that, right? That I had sold that entire time, and then, and then the next month it went to a thousand. Now this month it's two thousand, and then and it's just been amazing. And I I don't really know what to attribute it to. Uh, their hard work. Maybe it's a good that, book. Well, you know. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what someone someone once told me, Brian was. Uh, we, we were talking about uh, celebrities, and, and uh, uh, a semi-celebrity, who will not be named, told me, uh, th- th- someone else was saying, well, you know, all celebrities are pricks and a-holes and all this. And this other gentleman said to me, uh, said to us, said, no, 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 no. No one gets to that kind of celebrity being an a-hole. Like, you're a nice guy. We talk to you. We enjoy, you know, speaking with you. 
So, you know, when you hear these Hollywood stories that, well, so-and-so, you know, he's a prick. Oh, like the guy, the guy who plays Batman. Uh, what's his name? Come on, guys. Dark Knight. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. You know, there's all these stories online about Christian Bale's. Christian Bale's a prick. They play that oh, one. I've heard the online thing where he curses out the lighting guy, too. Right. So, yeah, right. but every, everyone's had that moment in their life where they're, you know, pissed off or whatever. And, and, you know, they go on a tirade. Everyone's done it. You know, even Mother Teresa at some point told her assistants, <laughs> told him off. So uh, Christian Bale didn't get to where he is now by being a prick. He was a nice guy, talked to everybody. People liked him, enjoyed him. Everyone helped him out to get where he is. So, th- so that's the reason, why I think, why your book is doing so well. It's been a pleasure talking to you the second time you're on the show. I have invited you to be on as a guest host whenever you'd like. We'll kick one of these other schmucks out or kick me out, whatever. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Here's, here's, the thing, here's the thing about all that. You know what I mean? Um, if, 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 if my book only sold the way it's selling right now, I never got worldwide, and I don't expect it to. What it's done for me is actually um, more than anything else, Put me in a position to where I can make a few bucks for my family, you know, and um, uh, not not rich. I mean, you got, um, anybody who's out there and, and knows that they're you know a published author, you know, I mean, you 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 sell one book, you make about a buck 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 and a quarter. So you know, I mean, if you if I sell two thousand books, I'm I'm making five hundred dollars a week. Right, that's it's, not bad. It's not, mm-hmm. But, you can't yeah, exactly live not, on that, but it's not bad. It's not Stephen King money either. So, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, 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 yeah, I'm looking at it like you know, I mean, I'm able to bring a few uh, uh, some money into the family, and at the same time, do something I really, really <laughs> love doing. And and keep keep in mind that Stephen know, King also has that box full of rejection letters, and if if he had been born, you know, fifteen twenty years later, he might have been self published. He might have self-published his work uh, at first himself. He tried that, actually. (laughs) The self-published genre has has its good and its bad, too, because there's so many wonderful self-published authors out there. And there's so many. I've read uh, read several myself, people who've contacted me here recently, and I've read their book. Uh, T.K. Harris, for one, she's a a great suspense writer. Um, uh, Leanne Herrera, another one. And um, I've read their books, and they're wonderful writers. But the thing is, the self-published genre has such a stigma attached to it because there's a lot of people out there that really don't take the time. During the break, we were talking um, to your uh, to your last guest about the editors, right? We yeah, but you know that's you know Brian, that's changing. You know who Amanda Hawking is? Uh, well, <clears throat> she lives not very far from me, and she still lives not very far from me. Even though in the space uh-huh. of about six months, she became she went from being from being almost broke to being a millionaire. Wow, you know that, that's just amazing. You know, and you know, but there's uh, now she's got hedges point? that are thirty feet tall, though. <laughs> well, well, my, my my point is, there's so many great independent authors, but at the same time, the the pool that they get a chance to put their work out there um, that normally they wouldn't have that chance because of the flush pile and you know and everything else that's involved in major publishing and before the and even even with independent publishing 
but you also have a lot of people out there that don't take the time to get their book properly edited, properly proved, and and then the the, the reader buys it, spends their hard-earned money yeah. on this book, and it's just riddled with errors, riddled with awful things, and it kind of turns them off from independent writers. So it's yeah. like a good and a bad thing all at the same time. That's very true. And that's why every every writer needs at least one editor who's not a family member. Right. <laughs> Someone who's not blowing, so, blowing smoke up your butt. <laughs> I was going to say, Paul, do you want to talk about book covers, a rant you've done uh, more than once? <laughs> <laughs> yes, no kidding. So, so, Brian, you know what? Let me play a quick, let me play a quick jingle here, and let's get right into fantasy. <laughs> While we're at it, Brian, why don't you give us a quick synopsis of book two of the Godling Chronicles? Tell us the title. Tell us what it's all about. What are we looking forward to next week on Friday of this week? Uh, book two is called The Godling Chronicles of Gods and Elves, and it continues on from the cliffhanger of book one. And basically what it is is um, going and killing you struggling to unite the world of gods and elves, and everything is torn apart. The reborn king is taking over the world of man, and Gui has to stop this from happening before everything is too late. Now, your son is still involved in the writing process, I'm assuming. And is your, does your son become also your proofreader as well? Is he one of your first editors? Well, my son's a little young to be a proofreader. Um, <laughs> he's he's only nine. He, he, yeah. he, uh, um, you know, uh, to give you a little bit uh, about how he's involved, he, um, you know, uh, before I make changes to the story or anything, you know, he, he came up with the original concept. But you understand, he's eight, nine years old. It's not something he wakes up in the morning and thinks about all the time. Right. He comes up with other stories. He's, uh, he's like, I came up with this. I'm done with that. I'm Now I'm into anime, or now I'm into Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> okay. or now I'm into whatever. But um, at the same time, you know, the, the reason there's elves, for example, in, book, in, in the series at all is because I talked to him and said, do you want elves? And he said, yes. I said, do you want dwarves? He said, no. So that's why, that's why there are elves and no dwarves. That's as good a reason you know, as any. Um, you know what? Yeah, and, and, and the book one's called The Sword of Truth, and uh, Terry Goodkind, uh, who is a wonderful, he's a wonderful author, and wrote a series called The Sword of Truth, and his entire series is called The Sword of Truth. And I've been asked about that, whether or not, you know, I, I did that intentionally. And what I've said is that, no, my son named the book the sort of truth, not the entire series, just that first book. Right. That's what he wanted. And, you know, I, mean, I looked at it and I thought about it because of Carrie Goodkind's uh, novels. Yes. And you know what? Um, if, she, if, if, if he gets mad about it, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, he can yell at my son about it. <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing has been a wonderful experience. I, I, you know, I mean, there's probably going to be at least five or six books in this series. And, you know, every day that I wake up and I look and I see that I'm, uh, that people are still buying God, Godwin Chronicles books and then people are, are asking me for book two, you know, it, it, it's like waking up every day and it's Christmas. I, yeah, I that's a real kick, isn't it? 
then you see those figures keep going up. Even as slow as they go, you say, yeah, somebody else bought the book, and nobody's returning it. How about that? <laughs> you know what? You know what? And, 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 and then, then I was on the bestsellers, right? Then I got on the... Uh, uh, top-rated list, where everybody said it was a good book, you know, and then the most wished for. And I know it's only Amazon is a very small market, and it doesn't mean a lot compared to guys like, you know. Um, uh, well, it means, a, listen, Brian, it means a lot to you, and Absolutely. it means a lot to your family, and it means a lot to your fans, <laughs> and that's what's important. Never mind these other guys, you know. They'll, well, yeah. they'll take their share of the market. And you can't look at Amazon as... as the small market, you know. I mean, it's like when people tell you how great your show is, you know. I mean, I've I, I saw the reviews on your show. I mean, I've listened to your show. Uh, you mean the show app. gets reviewed? Yeah, it does. good. Uh, I actually, didn't know that. Believe it or not, people actually talk about you, and, and you mean people and people listen. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. heartwarming when I see an extra, you know, couple hundred people show up one week, and uh, you know, uh, it's like anything else. I mean, like. Television, you know, millions of people watch a TV show, but only 5,000 of them make comments on online blogs. Where we, same thing with us. I mean, for every 10 tweets, there's a thousand listeners. And uh, it is very heartwarming to see when, you know, another 50 people showed up this week or another 200 people showed up and 20 of them sent us a review. And yeah, it's very heartwarming. And it is uh, what drives us really to keep going. Exactly. You know what I mean? Well, you that's actually good. Think to your, you think to yourself, you know what? I'm not just doing this just for myself, you know. In you know because you know you hear these writers say, "Well, I write for me." If that were true, then they would never bother to try to get published. Right. You want to tell a story, and you want other people to enjoy it, and that and when and when you do that, and other people do enjoy it, and you hear back that they really like what you did. Yeah. There's no better feeling in the world than that. Even yeah, I mean, every time I get a review back on Amazon. I mean, I, I look at it, and even when they have something negative to say, it's okay. You know, what I mean, you know, what I mean, it's just that they would bother to even say anything is amazing. Yeah, the fact that they took the time to, you know, say something, you know, whether it be positive or negative, you know, any any news is good news. <laughs> well, absolutely, absolutely. It's so wonderful that way because people are so, uh, you know, so brutally honest and so emotional when they speak about what they read and when they speak about what they choose to read because they have so much to choose from. That's right. You millions know, and millions of books. Websites and they have literally thousands <laughs> of books. Now, Carl, and, thank you so much for joining us. Carl Brookins has to go. Yes, and thank you very much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. You guys, it's inspired craziness. I love it. <laughs> grab your umbrella, you, grab Carl. your galoshes, hey, hey, wade into the Frankenstorm. Take care. The Frankenstorm is cutting us all off from each other. So thank you very much, Carl. I <laughs> hope you. to see you on the thank show you. again soon. Anytime. Just give me a call. Take care, my friend. I had a question for Brian. You talked about, yeah, right um, you, know, you talked about, you know, thinking about book three and et cetera, maybe thinking six, seven books, whatever you're saying. Sort of where are you in that, in that process? One is out, two is coming out on, on Friday, the second. Where, it, where I'm, are I'm, I'm, I'm three, four, five, and six in process? I'm not. I'm about ten chapters into book three. Um, right. I'm, I'm thinking five or six, basically because I know where the story needs to go, right. and I know I don't want to write eight hundred page books. So I'm going to need X amount uh, to, to make it make sense and not make it seem rushed. Right. 
I need X amount of, you know, story directions and amount of time to make it go to there. Right. Right. And um, it seems like six. It could be four. It could be eight. I just really, I'm just sort of guesstimating. You got to you know, you I mean, see, I, see where the story I, you takes know, like, you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could go in a really weird direction because I'm a character writer. I'm not I'm more so than a story writer. I'm, and I, and that, I, that's I, important, I, Brian. You know what? If, if I'm invested in the characters, I could care less usually what the story is, to be honest with you. I mean, that's why people tune in to, uh, you know, scripted uh, continual TV shows every week is for the characters, not for the particular story. Uh, per se, it's it's for well per se. I, I sound like my friend Vic there. But, oh, uh, I agree. You know, and uh, because people don't don't care about the story as much as the characters. Think about the greatest. Uh, think of modern day movies like Star Wars. Oh, think of what Lost. Star Wars about? Think of Lost. The story was bollocks. It ended. It was just yeah. awful. Oh, yeah. It did not have a beginning, middle, and end. Ever, ever. <laughs> it literally did not have a beginning, the middle, or end. Ever. But the characters were interesting, Hurley yeah. and Jack and everyone else. Oh. I only tuned and in for the story. And the whole nine yards. You, yeah. you, you wondered, you <laughs> cared about the characters. You cared about, you cared about Hurley. You cared about these people. And you actually wanted to see what happened to them. No matter how stupid the plot got, you cared about what happened to the people in the plot. That's right. And Brian, yeah, where, where can people find uh, information on uh, Godling Chronicles? Where can they find you? The best way to find me on my publisher's website, which is uh, gmtapublishing.com. Um, you can find all my Facebook and every and my blog and everything through there. Um, you know, I mean, the book's on Amazon right now. Um, it's, it went into extended dis- distribution a few weeks ago, so it's going to be on other sites and other areas uh, pretty soon. We're sort of, like, trying to build on the momentum that we're getting on Amazon before we... You know, we're not trying. We're not going to overextend everything. I like that you've got a plan, and uh, yeah. I do. I also have you a know, plan. I hope you guys can stick around today because this is going to be an epic book guys show. Because we're going, and that's overtime. We're going into overtime today, my friend Brian. I know you're in the vehicle. Do you have any beers left, Brian? Can you stick around for a little while longer? Hell yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, I know, Brian, you started off self-publishing your stuff and then got uh, published yeah, by GMTA. Yeah, you know, I started out as a self-published novelist. I, I, I thought I had a good story. Um, I found a publisher out in Oregon that it was self-published, but it made it look like I wasn't. Right. Because, I, you know, um, so I went with them. You know, as opposed to like Zilbrist or somebody like that, it kind of looked like I wasn't self-published, but I was, and I was really disappointed because they were. They also did traditional publishing, and the funny thing about them is, they told me if I sold two thousand books in one year, that they would traditionally publish me. Oh, nice, nice. Then there's some incentive right there. I, um, I sold two thousand books. I sold two thousand books this month. They can kiss my ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brian, when you self-published, uh, which route did you go? Did you go digital? Uh, or were you doing uh, physical copies? 
Oh, well, what I did, the way it worked was, uh, once, once Jonathan told me the story, I, you know, typed it all down. It only took about six weeks to do that. And then um, I, one of my neighbors was an English professor, and I got him to hook me up with his son to do the editing. Now, what I didn't realize was editors aren't proofreaders. So I got the editing done, sent it, Send it to uh, send it back to Inkwater. They published it. They didn't bother to read through it. So, about two months before I got picked picked GMTA, I sent the book to my uh, my piano teacher. Right. She um, she is meticulous beyond belief and a wonderful woman, and it has been a huge influence in my life. <clears throat> she said, "I found about a hundred errors in your book." Right, I was devastated. An, an editor is talking about is I looking was, at the flow of the of the story. Will rearrange chapters. Will cut chapters out. They're not going to uh, spell check. They're not going to uh, grammar check. They won't do any informational, uh, uh, you know, research checking to make sure that that gun has six bullets in it. No, I know this now. I mean, but at the time, I, I had no idea. You know, I, thought, I thought once you got your book edited, it should be perfect. Right. No, I mean, hell, what did I know? I mean, I've never, I've never published a novel, right. novel before. But right. I was and, very and lucky. Edit is not a, yeah. The edit is yeah. not a copy edit. Like Paul said, it's a story edit. Right. There's copy editing. There's there's line editing, and then there's right. proofing and beta yeah. reading. No, I didn't know any of this at the time. Um, I was just interested, uh, after you went through that process the first time, how did that approach the way you wrote the second book? Did you go in trying to say, I'm not going to let them pick it apart, I'm going to do this and find some no, of the no, stuff that no, they it, changed, you know? No, no, it actually, if anything else, it made me more pliable that way. Um, the editors, I, 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 my, my original editor got, um, was very good at the deep edit. You know, making me, making the story better, making it tie together better, but just not very good at the uh, line and copy edit. And I didn't realize that I needed another round of editing and proofing. Now, this time around, this uh, wonderful editing, Laura Hill, did the deep edit for me. But I knew that that wasn't enough. So I sent it to another lady to do the copy and line edit. Once she was finished with that, I've had like three people do proofing. <clears throat> and beyond that, I did uh, five beta readers. Right. You know, and, and, and I knew that with, when you're talking about something that's 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 to 100,000 words, no matter how much you look at it, you can miss things. <laughs> And ultimately, it is it is your name on the cover, so it's your and, and your responsibility to get that, that done. I'm the pizza crap that let it go. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, so, Brian, you have so many editors. You know? Eventually, Brian, you have so many editors and assistant writers. You can be like James Patterson. You just wake up for about five minutes a day, give a thumbs up or a thumbs Franchise down, and six books come out every day with your name on it. <laughs> you know what? Uh, if if they're, if they're good enough to write it without any mistakes. Then they're gods. That's right. <laughs> I just don't think they are. I think even, I think Stephen King and J.K. Rowling and all the your best known authors 
have some probably the best editors in the business. As a closet writer, one of my favorite books on writing is uh, Stephen King's On Writing. And uh, he has a lot of yeah. advice to, to new writers in that book. And uh, it is available also as an audio book. Uh, we're going to move on, Brian. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh-huh. my own. No, not hippies. <laughs> we're going to talk about. <laughs> Sorry, wrong, wrong jingle. <laughs> we're talking about my own. Publishing Nightmare. So I, I published a book two days ago. <laughs> uh, it's called. 9/11. It's called 9/11: A Complete Guide, and it is an iBooks. It's right now iPad only. It's on the iTunes Store. It's a complete guide, minute to minute uh, book about 9/11, and I just self-published it myself, giving it away free to the end of the year. What a nightmare! Going through iTunes Connect, iTunes Producer. Now, I started off with a small problem because my iTunes account. I have an app developer account for the iOS Store. So I could not use my current account. I had to get another iTunes Connect account to do iBooks. Oh, it was a nightmare. I should have just gone through one of the like third-party uh, you know, publishers or aggregators. Bad idea. But anyways, got it there. It took me four hours to get this thing uploaded. Oh, my goodness. Just so I could give it away for free. Because I figured, you know what? Being on the Book Guys show... I'm going to give the book away for free. Then I figured that at that point, there's no conflict of interest. <laughs> I'm not making money off the show. I'm just giving it away. You know, uh, it was just a collection of information that I've been collecting for a while. Put it out there. 9-11, a complete guide. Check it out. It's a little bit kooky. Not too kooky. It's mostly just straight facts, all with sources. Uh, but yeah, nightmare getting that thing on the iOS store. And and again, when you, and public- you started doing this... Uh- as soon as the book, as soon as iBooks came out, you were messing with that iBooks editor. I mean, yeah. that you've been working on this thing for a while, right? And you know what, Sir Jimmy, what what made me want to release it now is the the killer feature in the new iBooks version is that you can update your books, and there's no approval process for that. So if I find new information, or if I decide I want to get this in, or take this out because I found it to be factually incorrect, I can now click one button republish it and it'll update to everyone's iPads. So I was getting into the minutiae of everything where I think this is a great uh, way for things to work on a, like a digital bookstore. You should be able to, oh no, I misspelled Robert Balasur. I should be able to put the double L in and republish my book and everyone should get that update. You know, you shouldn't have to resubmit it. Sometimes it takes weeks, but it was a nightmare. Good Lord. Let me hear a secret. <laughs> Please. Let me hear a secret that all your listeners are going to know. <laughs> Hit it. Book Bring one it. has been uploaded to uh, um, Amazon three times because I found mistakes. Yeah. And do you have to go through the approval process every time? No. Um, I, I just found the mistakes, told my editor, and yeah. uh, told my publisher, and they, they just did it for me. But it it. it, it Embarrassing, <laughs> but but that's a huge advantage of digital. Yes, <laughs> at least it's not in print forever. Well, you know, it, it's gone through enough to where I think it's okay now. But <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you 
why don't you think you should be charging for your book? I mean, you worked hard on it. Well, you know what? Um, right. I'm not going to talk about it once I do charge for it, but you know what? Uh, I think getting the exposure, getting the numbers up on iTunes, just like the app guys do it, put it out for free, and if I can get a million people to download it, and that'll generate the buzz and get you in the top lists, and then charge 99 cents or three ninety nine for it, and, uh, you know, that's one way that a lot of the app developers get in the store. Like, Angry Birds was free for the first, like, couple months it came out. And now, you know, that company has made a bajillion dollars off that app because that free uh, got them an install base, which is what you would call for apps. And you want to get a reader base going for your book. And a lot of actually, uh, a lot of authors do give away book one in a three-part series. And they get me every time. I'm such a sucker for that because I will read book one. And then book one has a cliffhanger, and I say, well, this was such a great book. How much is book two? Five ninety nine, A pittance, I say. I will buy that second book and the third book. So a lot of, a lot of uh, authors do that. Well, you know, the uh, trilogy. Give, yeah, hey, I, I did want free, some crack? The first on, rock on, is free. One, and I'm, I'm, but I'm sort of torn. I'm sort of torn. I, I mean, guys like you who work really hard on their books, uh, I mean... I mean, I, I just think you should make at least a, a dollar. <laughs> well, you, down, you download you download the book and you get the bathroom Bible for free. That's right. Bathroom Bible. Sorry, <laughs> I got jingle happy. I just know how hard it is, you know, to 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 get a book done, and and you know, when you're telling me this story, I'm like thinking, what. Uh, excuse me. Um, I, I'd buy your book for for, for whatever you, you know you charged, as long as it right. wasn't like twenty bucks. And even if it was a, a dollar, I mean, it's worth the dollar. And people who don't think it's worth a dollar, uh, hell with them. <laughs> true. This is true. You know what? Good point. I'm changing it, <laughs> folks. Grab it now. I Change believe it Friday is going to be a dollar. <laughs> If, if, if they're not willing to spend 99 cents, you know, then they probably weren't going to buy your next book. They're just trolling <laughs> for free books. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. So i got to show you guys this. just came in today in the mail and is this week's... The Think Geek Item of the Week from ThinkGeek.com I got this. Just today arrived in the courier from bookguys.ca slash thinkgeek. I got it for $64.99. It went down to $59.99. I could have saved another $5. This is uh, for you guys. I wish this was a video podcast. It's the record player in a suitcase. It's the portable USB record player from thinkgeek.com. It's really cool. It's got a USB output. It looks like a a record case. It's like something. It's like uh, something uh, James Bond would have in like 1962. Right? It's also got uh, RCA outputs on the back if you want to hook it up to your stereo. Uh, USB input, so I could actually bump it into the stream if I wanted to. Uh, of course, being Canadian, I have a Rush album on it. I'm just going to turn it on. It's also got two little speakers in the front. Let's see if it'll play. There you go. Nice. A little Rush. <laughs> keeping it fair use Paul <laughs> that's right keeping it fair use YYZ great song YYZ of course being the airport code for Toronto <laughs> 
But it is neat. You know what? Being able to get some of my old vinyl, because I used to spin uh, records back in the 80s. So I have a, a, lots of crates of different records that uh, you cannot find online, whether it be, you know, uh, Pirate Bay, whether it be iTunes. You can't find, like, I have a, a Cure album that's got these mixes on it. It's like, you know, it's got all these uh, colors spinned into the record. It's got a swirly pattern in the wax. Uh, it is great. <laughs> you know, if you have some vinyl you want to transfer, right now, $59.99 from ThinkGeek.com. And don't forget, the portable shot glass, just for $3.99, turns into a little... Oh, it's collapsible. <laughs> collapsible? See, I'm, all, I'm all about like retro. Out. Retro Geek Tech is awesome, but... I'm waiting for the USB 8-track player. That's what I really want. Hang on. The shot glass fits oh, on a keychain. sounds like a Kickstarter. <laughs> when, when everybody got down on them because they mentioned Ayn Rand in uh, the special thanks of one of the records. <laughs> you know, and also Rush, of course, being the pivotal plot point play. in uh, some of the Swar- – was it a Swarys book? Wasn't that the Swarys book that Rush was the – Oh, no, I'm thinking that might have been – I'm thinking Ready Player One. Ready, Ready Player, Player One. Yeah, Ready Player One. <laughs> Ready Player One. <laughs> Ready, if, you, if, you, if you play Pac-Man while listening to Rush, there, you follow the beat, and it, you can actually get the perfect game. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew is <laughs> right. It's like uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Book News. We got to talk about the big merger here. We're talking the biggest book publishing merger in history, Random House and Penguin. And now are they going to be Random Penguins? Penguin House? We're talking close to two and a half billion pound income every year. This this is going to be like a six billion dollar publisher. It's going to become the biggest publisher in the universe, the known universe. So this is going to happen. Are they going to call it Random Penguin? I'm hoping for uh, Random Penguin. Yeah. Or Penguin House. <laughs> Just saying. It's going to be huge. going to be huge. That's huge. Well, basically, it is two companies who had very limited uh, creative ability at naming their companies. That's right. <laughs> Maybe they'll come up with a new name, completely different third-party name. And we have one more quick news item, because I know we got to run, but... Books on Film television uh stephen colbert is gonna make a huge cameo in the hobbit not in the first uh, first movie but he is planned to have a major role in the second movie in the hobbit trilogy and all i'm thinking is a hobbit trilogy really can't we just have one boring hobbit movie do we really have to have three <laughs> i'm sorry i'm a tolkien fan the what? hobbit is birdcage liner i there i said it on the air it's birdcage liner. Uh, you know, Tom Merritt is going to be very upset with you because he bet his entire winter movie draft on The Hobbit. You know what? And he might make money from all the Tolkien fans that, you know, spent bajillion dollars on, uh, you know, the whole first original trilogy. But I'm sorry. I've read The Hobbit. Again, Paul I says, birdcage liner. <laughs> Well, that's why, I mean, there's a reason why they made the trilogy out of The Lord yeah, of the Rings. Right, exactly. Now it's just a search for more money. Exactly. Exactly. Turkey's done. Yeah, we are so far into overtime. 
Let's do this. Anybody still listening at this point, thank you very much. Thank you so much. We apologize. You know what? Send an email to paulthebookguy at me.com with the subject line overtime, and you'll be entered into a draw. I will send you some audiobooks on CD for having listened to this entire epic episode of Paul the Book oh, Book Guys Show. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much, Professor Allen, Sir Jimmy, Robert Ballasur, Brian Anderson, if you're still there. See you next week. Stay tuned, book readers and book listeners. Paul the Book Guy will be back next week. Same book time, same book channel.